God, I miss my live studio audience. We have internet problems, so we can't do this in front of my virtual studio audience. This is very lonely. Welcome to the mop-up for November 1st, 2022. I'm David Feldman coming to you from an air shaft overlooking a parking garage all alone somewhere in New York City where the temperature is 61 degrees and wet, and I'm lonely. A quick programming note, this week's schedule is different. The midterms are exactly one week away, and I'm having internet issues. So I'm not doing the show with our virtual studio audience through Zoom. The connection is unstable. As some of you already surmised, we had a major internet outage uh, and had to cut last Thursday's taping short. I will spare you the gory details, but somehow I got Monday's audio podcast up. We're bringing in a new router, some new Ethernet cables, and then there are some other technical issues that have to be addressed. It's a nightmare. I know people have more serious problems, but it's still, you know, a nightmare. We do the show 52 weeks a year, no breaks, and somehow we're jerry-rigging a show today, and we're going to be doing a show all week as we go along. I don't know how we're going to do it, but right now it looks like more shows this week, but shorter ones, no virtual studio audience via Zoom, and that sucks because I really, really miss everyone. Apparently, I'm not the only one having internet problems. In Instagram crashed yesterday. Instagram is owned by Facebook, whose stock also crashed yesterday and pretty much the entire year. Facebook stock is down about 71% for 2022. Give me a second while I wipe the tears from my eyes for poor Mark Zuckerberg. Who would have ever guessed getting the entire world to hate you isn't always the best business model? Who would have, who would have guessed? Facebook is spending billions on alternative reality and it's losing money because Mark Zuckerberg has yet to invent an alternative reality where he's not a virtual peeping Tom, mining our personal information and then selling it. Given what Facebook has done to America's democracy, you know, instead of alternative reality, they should give actual reality a try. But Facebook can't. Facebook only gives customers more of what the customers like, more of what they want to see. Not good. Not good for a democracy. Imagine a classroom where the teacher only teaches what the students were interested in. Then, you know, you're not going to educate your kids. And adults, we're supposed to keep learning. But because of these Internet silos... What's happening is we're only learning what we think we want to learn. We're only learning what excites our brains. We're being told what delights us, not what's important. That's why Americans are so docile when it comes to health insurance or credit card companies gouging us. We're being fed digital opiates that medicate our rage, our rage at the system. And these social media giants distract us so we don't take the time to be better citizens. We don't need virtual reality. We don't need alternative realities. We need to alter the only reality we have, and that is our planet and our democracy. 
both of which are dying partly because of our social media-induced torpor. Social media is only a positive force when we get more out of it than the people who own the social media platforms. We don't. We don't get more out of it than Mark Zuckerberg. There is an actual reality out there with facts. What we're up against are, as we all know, alternative facts that mushroom when we are given alternative realities. Facebook gives users what they want to see. That's why Republicans think 2020 was stolen. That's why Republicans think tax cuts for the wealthy balance the budget. That's why Republicans think climate emergency isn't man-made. We already have an alternative reality, Facebook. It's called the Republican Party. It doesn't matter how many authorities, fact checkers, and police officers say no, Paul Pelosi was not attacked by a male prostitute because we have Elon Musk, who now owns Twitter. When the new owner of Twitter, Elon Musk, tweets to his tens of millions of followers a link to a fake news story reporting that Paul Pelosi hired his attacker for sex and then the sex went bad, when Elon Musk spreads that lie on his Twitter account, that lie becomes a reality for millions who want to believe that Paul Pelosi was beaten up by a male prostitute. Does Elon Musk, the wealthiest man in the world, lack the internet literacy to recognize fact from fiction? Or does he think social media, his social media, his social media, Twitter, that it has no real world consequences and should just be fun? Either way, Elon Musk is irresponsible, dangerous, and cannot be trusted. Newspapers in America can be trusted. They still can be trusted. They have actual fact checkers, proofreaders, editors, and reporters, newspapers. And while their editorial pages are biased, their reporting at least strives for as much objectivity as is humanly possible in a capitalist society, a capitalist society that only allows just so much information to leak out. Now, yes, newspapers, local ones, are flawed. But to this day, they are still the building blocks of intellectual discourse. The commentariat on social media or in the blogosphere would not exist without the sharing and then com commenting on of real, actual journalism. Without real journalists who make no money, they make no money, there can be no fake journalists who do make money. Sadly, real journalists are in trouble because newspapers are dying. The Associated Press says two American newspapers go out of business each week. And why is that? People still read newspapers, maybe not in print, but they read them digitally. Newspapers are dying because their business model has been co-opted 
by the internet giants, people like Mark Zuckerberg and now Elon Musk. Amazon, Facebook, Google, Twitter are stealing digital advertising from newspapers. Google, Facebook, Amazon get close to 70% of all digital advertising. To put it another way, there is more money to be made recommending a story in the Manchester Guardian. There's more money in recommending a story to viewers that's in the Manchester Guardian than there is in being the owner of the Manchester Guardian. Google, Facebook, and now Twitter, they make so much in advertising dollars off their platforms and also selling advertising on a newspaper's platform, they leave absolutely nothing on the table for the actual content providers. We are talking about monopolies, and you cannot negotiate fees with monopolies. You have to break them up. You can't rely on philanthropists to donate money to newspapers because philanthropists have something to hide. So you're not going to get real journalism. You cannot negotiate with a monopoly. You have to break it up. Now, is a monopoly efficient? Of course it is for the people who own the monopoly, but it's not efficient for the consumers, and it's certainly not efficient for our democracy, where three companies are sucking up nearly 70% of all digital advertising at the expense of our news media and at the expense of our democracy, 70%. That leaves 30% of digital advertising to smaller monopolies, and they don't include newspapers and local reporters. According to the Associated Press, two newspapers, as I said, go out of business each week. Now, we're talking newspapers as in print, but every single newspaper has a digital presence. I've actually heard idiots say, well, you know, newspapers are going out of business because of the Internet. People don't read actual paper anymore. No, you're an idiot. Newspapers know that for decades they've put all their content online. They have most of their readers right now online. But because of monopolies, they don't get to keep any of the advertising money. Every newspaper made the transition to digital decades ago. But the advertising revenue disappeared. It got sucked up by Craigslist, which took all the money newspapers used to earn from classifieds and the big advertising revenue, as I said, besides the classifieds that goes to, to uh, Craigslist, uh, Amazon, Google, Facebook, and Twitter get pretty much the rest of the digital advertising that newspapers got when they were in print. 360 newspapers, as a result, that serve local communities, 360 newspapers have gone out of business in the past three years. According to the Associated Press, America has only 6,377 newspapers left. Back in 2005, there were 8,891. Now, while some newspapers have indeed survived, look at them. Go look at these newspapers. They are stripped 
stripped-down versions of their former selves. Most newspapers are owned by private equity firms that care more about the real estate owned by the newspaper than the actual product. What you see in most newspapers today are copy-and-paste stories from a wire service or a press release. Journalism is slowly becoming extinct. Real reporting takes time, and you can get sued. That's why there were 75,000 newspaper journalists back in 2006, now only 31,000. For all of America, we have less than half the number of journalists we did two decades ago. And yes, anyone with an internet connection can start a blog or a digital newspaper, and that's fine. But journalism, real journalism, is an actual profession. Yes, anyone should be able to write anything they want on any platform, platform they want. But journalists, real journalists, are tantamount to teachers or professors. Flawed, but necessary. Not anyone can teach and not anyone can be a journalist. Even a reporter working for the New York Post has to get their facts straight or they get sued. Not so with opinions. You can't get sued for having an opinion. So it's safer to have people opine than report. And that's the business model now for newspapers and places like Fox News or MSNBC. You can't get sued for having an opinion. So what you have now is under the guise of opinion, these right-wing propaganda machines like talk radio and Fox News, they slip in lies that pass as facts. But you can't sue because it's just opinion. You have opinions based on lies. As a result, we have a population here in the United States that is desperate for real information. We are taking opinion and willing it into being fact. That's what we do to make up for the dearth of facts. We hear opinions and we're so desperate for the truth, we will opinions into truth. The viewer, the listener, we hear facts where there are none. And the owners of these so-called news organizations, they say it's fine to give opinion and nothing but opinion because everything is subjective. It's all about moral relativism, right? There's no such thing as objective reporting. Everyone is biased, so why not just give the people bias, even admit that it's biased? Well, that's fallacious. It is because while everyone is biased, yes, good reporting is not biased. Good reporting is what people say. Like I said, good reporting is what people say. The senator said this. His opponent said that. That's journalism. That's journalism. That's objective journalist. The senator said this. His opponent said that. This scientist said that. This scientist said this. Reporting is what other people tell you. But that requires work because you've got to go out and be told things. Now, in today's journalism, 
we've cut out the middleman and just have reporters who report on what they have to say. That's not reporting, that's opinion. But it's cheaper to tell us what the news means rather than what the news is. News isn't what you want it to be. Now, David Wayne DePepe, 42, of Richmond, California, was charged yesterday with assault and attempted murder and attempted kidnapping after he was arrested Friday inside the home of Speaker Pelosi after attacking her husband, Paul Pelosi, with a hammer to the head. Federal prosecutors today said the suspect intended to kidnap Nancy Pelosi and break her kneecaps. The suspect reportedly told police he wanted to torture Nancy Pelosi and make her pay for her lies. The Los Angeles Times is reporting that the suspect left a social media trail of anti-Semitism as well as other far-right conspiracy theories involving COVID, Pizzagate, and war in Ukraine. He is also reportedly a follower of QAnon. So where do you get the truth about this story? Elon Musk, you know, the owner of Twitter who is spreading lies that the guy arrested was Paul Pelosi's male prostitute? No, I get my information from newspapers, mainstream media, whose reporters, for the most part, are trained to report what people are saying. The police said this. The FBI said that. Sp uh, Speaker Pelosi's office said this. The lawyer for the accused said that. Reporting what are people saying. That's what reporting is. It's reporting what people say. What we have passing for journalism these days is conjecture. As in Dinesh D'Souza thinks this is what happened without any reporting, while Sean Hannity says he thinks this might have been what happened, or Jesse Waters on Fox News says he thinks this is what happened. They don't pick up a phone. They don't interview anybody. They just think this is what happened because they imagine things. Do you see the difference? Real reporting is telling us what people closest to the story said what happened. Now, is what they say biased? Of course. And do they have an agenda? Of course. So you ask other people to tell you what happened. If Americans still had critical thinking, which we no longer have, we could read a news story from a legitimate news organization and ascertain where the bias is from what people are saying. For example, as something as anodyne as the Speaker's office claiming Paul Pelosi is going to make a full recovery, if you have critical thinking, if, if a journalist says the Speaker's office says Paul Pelosi is going to make a full recovery, someone in possession of critical thinking is going to say, okay, of course the speaker is going to say that. They have to be optimistic. But what does the doctor say? What does the hospital say? What does the surgeon say, right? What is Paul Pelosi saying? Can he say anything? That's what reporting is. The police said that. The lawyer said this. The intruder claims this. The victim claims that. That's what reporting is. That's how an informed electorate could 
make informed decisions about this guy who has been arrested for breaking into the Pelosi mansion and hitting Paul Pelosi over the head with a hammer. We need real reporters. Megyn Kelly once worked at Fox News. Then she went to NBC News, said some racist things about blackface and was fired. And now she has her own radio show on Sirius. She claims to be a reporter. She presents as a reporter. Here she is talking to Senator Tom Cotton today about Paul Pelosi. Now, Senator Tom Cotton is a Republican. He's on Megyn Kelly's show to sell a book he's just wrote. He's just written. He's not from San Francisco. He wasn't there when Paul Pelosi was attacked. Doesn't matter. This is Megyn Kelly talking to Senator Tom Cotton instead, talking about what happened to Paul Pelosi. She's talking to Tom Cotton about what happened to Paul Pelosi and not, oh, I, I don't know, the San Francisco police chief who might actually know something about what happened to Paul Pelosi. Journalism isn't raising questions. It's asking questions, asking those questions to people who can answer those questions. But this is right wing media. This is what the right wing media does. They raise questions into the ether and try to pass that off as journalism. Here is Megyn Kelly today telling us how she feels about the Paul Pelosi story. I feel like at a minimum, the SFPD has egg on its face. You feel that the SFPD, the San Francisco Police Department, has egg on its face. You feel that. No proof, you just feel that. Sirius is paying Megyn Kelly, I don't know, a couple million a year, and she can't spend any of that on an interview with an actual reporter who's covering the Paul Pelosi story. Instead, we get to hear how Megyn says she feels the San Francisco Police Department has egg on its face. Why? They were in the house when this guy attacked Paul Pelosi with a hammer. I'm not sure how that happened. You're not sure how that happened. So you feel the San Francisco Police Department has eggs, egg on its face because you're not sure how it happened. There's no egg on your face. Again, you could spend the million Sirius is paying you and fly to San Francisco and ask how all this happened or interview the police chief or speak to a reporter who's covering it. But instead, you're talking to Senator Tom Cotton and you feel the police have egg on their face. How, how do you have police officers on site and an 82-year-old gets attacked with a hammer in front of you when you have a gun as a, as a police officer? Yes. Uh, she's, she's asking, how is it possible that Paul Pelosi was hammered while the police were there and they had guns? She's asking, why didn't the police shoot the suspect and kill him on the spot? That's what a right-wing journalist thinks the police should do. A guy has a hammer, kill him. And that works out for the right-wing media because uh, if you kill the suspect and maybe even kill, you know, you miss and you hit Paul Pelosi, then people like Megyn Kelly could ask even more reckless questions with abandon, right? The suspect's dead. 
He can't talk, so you can just ask more questions. Like, why, you know, maybe Nancy Pelosi sent this guy to kill Paul Pelosi because Nancy's having an affair with Gavin Newsom. I guess we'll never find the answer to that question because the police killed him. I mean, the cops shoot the suspect, and if they kill him, the truth can then be whatever you want the truth to be. You know, like Lee Harvey Oswald and Jack Kennedy. They both get killed, and now whatever happened can be whatever you want it to be. Why didn't the cops shoot the intruder before he hammered Paul Pelosi? That's just, you know, a question that reporter Megyn Kelly is, is raising. One of the many questions here. Many questions, because that's how you serve the public, by raising questions, throwing them out into the ether for more people to raise more questions without ever directing them at the people who can actually answer them. Any other questions you'd like to raise? There are security cameras all over that house. You can see them from the outside. Were they turned on? If not, why not? You're angry about these questions not being answered, uh, even though you haven't asked the people who could a answer them. Why weren't the security cameras not turned on? Or maybe they were turned on. I don't know if they were turned off or turned on. But if they weren't turned on, why not? What are they trying to hide? I don't know. Maybe you could ask someone. I don't know the answer to a question. Why don't I know the answer to a question? What are they covering up? So many unanswered questions that I keep making up. Let's see it. Let's see it all. I don't know what went on. Yes, you don't know what went on, so let's see it. See what? You and your team of investigative journalists are going to pour through all the evidence, Megyn Kelly? There's, there's something going on here that they're not telling us. I just don't know what it is. And you just don't know what it is. You have an insatiable curiosity. You're like Columbo. And you need to know. You have to know. Just not enough to actually ask these questions of anyone who could actually answer them. You need to know. What do you need to know, Megyn Kelly? I know enough to, to smell a rat. Yes, you, you know enough to smell a rat. Well, that's probably Tom Cotton that, uh, that you're smelling. What's disgusting me is the media reaction. Ah, uh, you're disgusted by the media reaction. Like your reaction. You're disgusted by how the media is reaction, reacting. What about how the media is reporting? Hmm? What about the media's reporting? You're only talking about reaction. Who cares how the media reacts? What are they reporting? Well, here's some actual reporting from NBC News, uh, Megyn Kelly. NBC News had fired you, remember NBC News? Uh, let me play you some investigative reporting from Tom Winter. He's an actual reporter, an investigative journalist with NBC News, the same news gathering operation that fired Megyn Kelly. Here is not a reaction. This is actual reporting from Tom Winter, NBC News. 
We've done an analysis on DePepe's social media and blog posts over the years, both law enforcement, our analysis, kind of the same uh, in this regard. That, uh, But according to our own Ben Collins, really over the last year or so, Chuck, mm -hmm. this individual went to the alt-right, far-right type ideology that we've seen talking QAnon, talking Pizzagate, and then just a lot of very right. anti-Semitic postings. She's a Republican. She can only react to the Paul Pelosi story. She can't report on it because it would be embarrassing to people like Megyn Kelly. So all she can do is give a reaction, right? Because she's a racist and she can't react to that because that would suggest the very thing she says played a role in the coarsening of our political dialogue and led to Paul Pelosi ending up in the ICU. She can only traffic in conjecture. She can't report because she would incriminate herself. For example, here is Megyn Kelly a few years back earning her salary on Fox News. And by the way, for all you kids watching at home, Santa just is white. Nice. That's what kids should hear. That's what every kid of color should hear, that Santa is white. That was Megyn Kelly on Fox News earning her salary. Here she is losing her salary on NBC News. And she made her skin look darker than it really is. And people said that that was racist. I, I don't know how like that got racist on Halloween. I, but well, what, but what, what is racist? Because look, because so truly, you do get in trouble if you are a white person who puts on yes, blackface yes. on Halloween or a black person who puts on whiteface yes. for Halloween. Like I, back okay, when I was a kid, that was okay as long as you were dressing up as like a character. You're a racist. NBC, I have problems with MSNBC and NBC, but they have real reporters. Again, I have many problems with NBC, but they do practice something resembling journalism. They report the news. Fox reacts to the news. So if you get your news from Megyn Kelly, all you're left with are manufactured questions to, to, to sow doubts about the Pelosi's morality, that, that he was with a, a gay lover and it went bad. Uh, then there's Dinesh D'Souza. This is uh, Dinesh D'Souza, and he raises questions, then answers them himself and draws his own conclusion. Why was the assailant in his underpants? And what if the assailant said, where's Nancy? Not because he was after Nancy Pelosi, but he wanted to make sure she was not home. And uh, how did they both get hammers? And how did uh, Paul Pelosi get away? Bathroom break to make the 911 call. And why did Paul Pelosi tell the police that he knew the guy? His name was David, and he was, quote, a friend. My conclusion, this guy, the assailant, is either a sex partner or a male prostitute, and this is a sexual rendezvous that went sideways. Hmm, sideways. What if... Dinesh D'Souza, when he was going to Dartmouth, was dating Laura Ingram when she was going to Dartmouth, and he got Laura Ingram pregnant. And Laura Ingram wanted to go to law school, so they got an abortion. What if? I'm just wondering, because I've noticed that Laura Ingram had to adopt kids. So maybe it was like a, what if Laura Ingram can't have kids? 
because she had a botched abortion uh, she, when she was trying to terminate uh, the child of Dinesh D'Souza inside of her. What if? I'm just asking, it's just conjecture. I haven't asked anybody. People are saying, I've heard, there's talk. What if? I don't know. My conclusion, I don't know, but I need to know. Why aren't they answering these questions? Why isn't Dinesh D'Souza and Laura Ingram telling us whether or not Laura Ingram can't have kids because of a botched abortion at Dartmouth? It'd be great if they would answer those questions. Why the cover-up, Dinesh? And you have to take Dinesh D'Souza seriously when it comes to crimes. If he says Paul Pelosi, you know, hired a male prostitute, uh, you got to that's a crime. And, uh, you know, if anybody knows what a criminal is, it's Dinesh D'Souza. He was sentenced to eight months in a halfway house, forced to pay a $30,000 fine for making illegal campaign contributions. Dinesh D'Souza was eventually pardoned by Donald Trump. And so we should trust Dinesh when he concludes that Paul Pelosi is the victim of a sexual tryst gone sideways. D'Souza went to Dartmouth, speaks at CPAC, and makes movies that attack Hillary Obama, all the while insisting that there's no such thing as racism. And there's a lot of money to be made for people like Dinesh D'Souza, people of color. There's a lot of money for uh, people of color uh, in the GOP, as long as they insist America isn't racist. You can make a lot of money if you're Indian and you claim that America isn't racist. And like I said earlier, you know, Dinesh is giving news to people who want the news to be what they want to hear, like there's no racism in America. He makes a lot of money telling people what they want to hear. Not the truth, just telling people what they want to hear. D'Souza's 2016 documentary entitled Obama's America is the highest grossing conservative documentary of all time. He has become the Michael Moore of the right. D'Souza's facts don't have to be right. They just have to be right wing. This isn't about the truth. It's about training people to think in lies. It's about training the viewer, the listener, to believe what is not true. That's how Dinesh D'Souza makes his money. Then there's Lara Trump. Lara Trump is Eric Trump's wife. She's on Fox News. Her pedigree in journalism extends to having once worked as a producer for Inside Edition, which produces groundbreaking investigative journalism like today's exclusive. Inside Edition's exclusive former nanny of Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde speaks out in first TV interview. Yes, Lara Trump, journalist. She is now a commentator for Fox News. She doesn't have to do actual reporting. She doesn't have to get on the phone, knock on doors. That's for poor saps who went to journalism school and actually take reporting seriously. No, all Lara Trump has to do over at Fox News is sit in the makeup chair and get fed talking points from her producer. Here is Lara Trump on Fox News yesterday opining, not reporting, opining on 
Paul Pelosi. Again, no news, just reaction. And by the way, I think it is disgusting and shameful. Joey, you said this yesterday on the show. For anyone to try and use this for a political motive in any way. Yes, yes, we must not politicize the attack on Paul Pelosi. It's okay to commercialize it, right? It's okay for Laura Trump to get paid lots of money to tell us not to politicize the attack on Paul Pelosi because politicizing, politicizing would be unseemly. It would be tacky because politicizing means actually doing something about it. Here is Joe Biden who is upsetting the right wing this week by suggesting, having the, the temerity to opine that words have consequences. What makes us think the one party can talk about stolen elections, COVID being a hoax, there's all a bunch of lies, and not affect people who may not be so well balanced. What makes us think it's not gonna corrode the political climate? Enough is enough is enough. Every person of good conscience needs to clearly and unambiguously stand up against the violence in our politics, regardless what your politics are. God, Joe Biden is blaming the rhetoric. That's what did it to Paul Pelosi. The rhetoric, which it did. We'll talk about that in a second. Eric Trump's wife, Donald Trump's daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, who was a producer for Inside Information, said on Fox News this weekend that there is no similarity between the attack on Paul Pelosi and January 6th. There is nothing to tie any of this to January 6th. The fact that potentially this guy was screaming, where's Nancy? That has nothing to do with anything. There is nothing to tie this to January 6th. How about the zip ties? Why don't you use the guy's zip ties that he brought into the Pelosi mansion to tie it to January 6th. Turns out, Lara, you sang out loud as though you believe it, that there, you can't tie this to January 6th doesn't make it true. It's actually quite similar to January 6th. The guy, the suspect, is an election denier, and he came looking for the speaker. He had a list of other Democrats he planned to torture. Here is the president of the United States, Joe Biden. It's reports that the same chant was used by this guy they have in custody that was used on January 6th in the attacks on the U.S. Capitol. I'm not making this up. This isn't reported. I can't guarantee it. I can tell you what's being reported. The chant was, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? This is despicable. There's no place in America. There's too much violence, political violence, too much hatred, too much vitriol. Words have consequences. Words have consequences. I'm not calling for censorship, but there are consequences to shouting fire in a crowded movie theater. But then again, this is not falling on deaf ears when Joe Biden says this. It's falling on deaf ears because the right wing can't trust Joe Biden. The right wing trusts the police, right? That's all we hear. Republicans back the blue. They hate the FBI because, you know, the FBI arrests white people, but they back the blue, they back the police. And San Francisco Police Chief William Scott 
unfortunately isn't backable because he's blackable. They they back the blue, but not the black blue. Republicans don't back the blue if the blue is black. And Chief Scott is black, so he's less likely to corner an unarmed black man and make him black and blue. So the GOP, they don't trust him. He says, there's no evidence. Paul Pelosi knew his attacker, none whatsoever. And during a press conference, the police chief said the attack was in fact politically motivated. Turns out, according to the police chief of San Francisco, the intruder had a list of other Democratic politicians he was planning to torture. Here is a clearly upset police chief of San Francisco. We also know, based on our investigation at this point, that this was not a random act. This was intentional and it's wrong. Our elected officials are here to do the business of their cities, their counties, their states, and this nation. Their families don't sign up for this to be harmed. And it is wrong. And everybody should be disgusted about what happened this morning. Yeah, the GOP won't back that cop. In the GOP, you're forbidden to draw a direct line between the attack on Paul Pelosi and January 6th because you cannot draw a direct line to January 6th and the coarsening of our political rhetoric that emanates from the right wing. And this cannot be about political rhetoric. This, this can't be about all the lies made up about Pelosi, all the lies made up about Democrats. Nope. There's a talking point, and it was given to the Republicans before Pelosi even made it to the hospital. And that talking point is Paul Pelosi is a victim of a crime wave that's out of control. You cannot blame Republicans for using lies to stoke political hatred and anger. No, it's all part of the crime wave. Tom Cotton was with Megyn Kelly today, and here he is blaming the crime wave. In the meantime, I wish Paul Pelosi all the best in recovering from this terrible crime, a crime that we see too much of all across America today because of soft on crime policies and failures to put mentally ill people into institutions where they can get the care they need. Yes, don't politicize the attack. But, you know, if you're a Democrat, you can't politicize it. But Republicans immediately blamed the attack on the crime wave. And Tom Cotton, uh, it's what is it about the mentally ill not being institutionalized? Uh, one more time about how we need to handle the mentally ill in this country. Failures to put mentally ill people into institutions where they can get the care they need. Wow, you fascist, you Nazi. Let's hear that again about the mentally ill. Failures to put mentally ill people into institutions where they can get the care they need. Which institution are we going to put you into so you can get the medical care you need? Institutionalize the mentally ill. Lock them up. Lock them up first and then treat them. We don't need free health, mental health care in America. We need to lock the sick up. And once you lock them up, you treat them. That's the GOP plan. Failures to put mentally ill people into institutions where they can get the care they need. Right. 
Then uh, there's uh, the money, honey, according to Joey Ramone. Joey Ramone, the Ramones wrote, wrote a song about Maria Bartiroma. They called her the money, honey. Here is Maria Bartiroma on Fox News parroting the talking point handed to her by the GOP. Here she is parroting the talking point that Paul Pelosi is a victim not of rancorous rhetoric. He is a victim of the crime wave created by his wife. Crime has been such an important issue for people. People are afraid to go outside their house. And now we see what has taken place uh, in the Pelosi family. Mm. Our thoughts and prayers are with Paul Pelosi right now. Yes, it's the crime wave. That's what caused it. Matt Whitaker was acting attorney general before Bill Barr. As you can see from the picture, uh, he also shares uh, Bill Barr's passion for weightlifting. Uh, <laughs> Matt Whitaker was the acting attorney general during the Trump administration. Here he is uh, saying that Paul Pelosi is merely a victim of street crime. And he warned of the double standard in San Francisco when it comes to street crime. Yeah, well, obviously, it's if, as reported, it's a horrific, you know, uh, invasion of his home and, and, a, and an assault on him. Uh, and it's, you know, political violence should never and does not have a place in our society. We have to look at a bigger picture, Maria. And that is, is that San Francisco is is crime riddled. And a lot of it is due to the lax policies of the local prosecutor. And when you when you take that context, it's going to be very interesting how this individual um, who is charged with some serious crimes, whether he gets the same treatment as of a lot of the violent criminals in San Francisco and gets to is let out and is otherwise able to go about his life while pending charges. So I'm going to watch this case very carefully. Obviously, it's a high profile case. So expect that this guy won't be treated the same as many others in San Francisco that are a menace to uh, the citizens there. Yeah, and he pretty much said it was a political crime. He accidentally said it was a political crime. But it's a street crime, and there's a double standard. They let sick people out of prison, and, you know, it's where the Democrats are soft on crime. That's why Paul Pelosi was almost hammered to death. Kevin McCarthy is the GOP leader in the House. He has thoughts and prayers for Paul Pelosi, but bears no responsibility for the attack on him. It's Nancy's fault. Blame the victim. That's what the Republican Party does best. Blame the victim. It's Nancy Pelosi's fault. It's Biden's fault. It's the fault of the crime wave. Well, I wanted to convey that our thoughts and prayers were with her and her family and with Paul, and we hope him, for him a speedy recovery and that we're able to stop this crime across our country. Yes, keep repeating the lie that it's the crime wave. Keep repeating the lie that cities controlled by Democrats have higher crime rates than cities controlled by Republicans. Keep repeating the lie that you're more likely to be murdered in a city that's run by Democrats. That is a lie. But Republicans, they just keep repeating it and nobody corrects them, especially on Fox News. However, Fox News made a mistake yesterday. They had Democratic Congressman Al Green from Texas come on and he upset 
the entire narrative because he deals with facts. You represent the great city of Houston, Texas. How big is the crime crisis in many of our major American cities playing in the midterms in your district? Well, let's talk about what uh, I heard my colleagues say. He talked about San Francisco. I have some empirical data in hand. Uh, San Francisco had a murder rate that was half that of Bakersfield, California. Uh, Bakersfield has a red mayor. San Francisco has a blue mayor. And that's Ms. Pelosi's home. By the way, uh, Ms. Pelosi, my thoughts and prayers are with you and your family. Uh, Bakersfield is the home of uh, Mr. McCarthy, the minority leader. Mm -hmm. So I think we ought to compare states as well as cities. My colleagues are very good at creating alternative facts. Uh, but the truth is, according to statistical information, in 2020, the per capita murder rates were 40 percent higher in states won by Donald Trump than those run by Joe Biden. Empirical evidence, eight of 10 states with the highest murder rates in 2020 voted for Republican presidential nominees in every election in this century. Mm, that doesn't belong on Fox News. Laura Ingram does. Uh, and when you hear something like you're more likely to die in a city run by the Republicans, you quickly switch gears and you say, on second thought, uh, the Paul Pelosi story is about the First Amendment. That's what it's about. It's not about street crime. It's, a, it's about the right of the far right to be able to spread lies without having to worry about the government cracking down on us. That's the issue. That's what this is all about. When Paul Pelosi gets hammered over the head, the first thing someone like Fox News's Lara Ingram worries about is her First Amendment right to trivialize the pain and suffering of others while at the same time make, make stuff up. So in the aftermath of this hideous attack on Paul Pelosi in their San Francisco home, of course, we hope and pray for his full recovery from this disgusting attack. The question is whether Democrats will attempt to use the actions of a lone lunatic to chill political speech. Ah, it's about chilling political speech by asking you to stop lying about the Pelosi's and the Democrats. We're chilling political speech. Nobody's censoring you. We're just laying the blame where it belongs at your feet. But you can't condemn the violence unless you condemn those people who continue to argue the election was not real, that it's being stolen, that all the, all the malarkey that's being put out there to undermine democracy. You can't just apologize and say the violence. It affects people's mentality. It affects how people think, particularly people who are not maybe as stable as other people. So the, the talk has to stop. That's the problem. That's the problem. You can't just say, I feel badly about the violence and we condemn it. Condemn what produces the violence. And this talk produces the violence. That talk produces the violence. He's not censoring Fox News. He's blaming Fox News and right-wing radio. People like Mark Levin, who is a lawyer, very bright lawyer, very articulate, filled with rage and contempt for not just himself, but humanity. He was Ronald Reagan's, uh, he was a chief of staff to Ronald Reagan's attorney general, Ed Meese. 
And he's a man of principle. He 